0: I trust that it's gonna be impactful because I know you spent some time for for us to speak to us. So let's extend our our hands. We wanna pray for you, sir, if we may. <laughs> Get it, if we may. Anyway. <laughs> smart. <laughs> Lord, we wanna thank you, Father. Thank you for I know that just put up his hand and said, Lord. Pick me, pick me to speak your words, Lord. And Father, this afternoon we pray that your very word will take heart, take root in in our hearts, Lord, and that it will pierce us, Lord, and that it will be changed by your word. Every word that Andre brings from himself will fall to the ground flat, Lord, but your words, Lord, will rule and reign over us, through us, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.
1: Oh, good morning guys. Imagine having a name, and every time that you, they mention your name, they call you smart. This must be Yeah, I think there was a plan behind that somehow. It's so awesome and wonderful to see you all. It's an amazing thing to stand in front of people, and I was just sitting listening to all the people that actually are not here today. And if I remember correctly, roughly, and you guys can help me, about half of us are not here. Is that correct? That's but how I've got it. But a big percentage, let's put it that, is not in church today because we are ministering in other churches. And all the churches that I've grew up in was hey, a sure in church. You don't go to other churches, you come to our church. This is the first time that I'm in a church where guys say, Hey guys, please go, please go, please go bless. Please go bless. And the more people go blessed, the more people, yeah, we serve a wonderful God. Isn't that just something different and exciting? Okay, so we've been blessed with just wonderful teachings over the last couple of weeks. Not that the other teachings weren't good, but these were absolutely good and really stirred something in my heart. And my feeling and my sensing is, and we also had, and this is why I can be very clever, because we had an elders' meeting on Wednesday evening where we just worshiped together and hung hung together. And just the sensing of, you know what, God's taking us forward. It's not just another meeting. This meeting today is not just, well, it's Sunday we're coming together, this is taking us forward. And it wasn't prayer that I prayed, and I said, Lord, if I, pray, if I preach this morning, I want to take us forward. I want us to go somewhere in this preach. And I felt God give me a couple of pointers, and I said, Lord, but how's it taking us forward? And Wednesday night, it just like, click, it fell into place for me. So this morning, I want to speak on, and sorry, my glasses are dirty. I had it in my pocket, and it is sweaty. Um, I want to speak about our comfort zones. And it's the first time that I've ever touched on the subject of my comfort zone. And as I started pondering on the comfort zone, and it's one of the points that also came out on Wednesday night, I started realizing the effect of my comfort zone. Do you realize that every decision that you take is filtered through your comfort zone? You are not going to do something that you are not comfortable with. In doing. Me, I said to my wife when we got married, there will there'll always be hot water in the house and there will always be food in the house unless I have to work on very high p- things and probably also very deep under the ground. Now, I've been 2,000 meters underground and that's an experience of, on its own. But to go up high, and you sit on this tower and the tower does this? You know these big towers where you see right up top? Never again. I won't ever do it again. We will die of hunger. It's outside of my comfort zone. Other people are comfortable with heights. Me, I'm not. I I can't even no longer Okay. So the 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 Oxford Dictionary says that. Um, our comfort zone is a settled method of working that requires little effort and yields only barely, barely acceptable results. And it says, if you stay within your comfort zone, you will never improve. And I also want to add, you're probably never really going to achieve much in life. So we all have our comfort zones. And the problem with the comfort zone, it is comfortable to be in the comfort zone, but it's holding me back. My comfort zone will allow me to go that far and not further. And that's the purpose of my comfort zone. It keeps me sort of in a safe place. I I read about a, a lady who says she bought herself a chair, and she's got a number of kids. It wasn't that wrote this. And she said she had a number of kids and every night before she goes and sit in the chair, she says, okay, I'm gonna sit down. Anybody wants anything because once I've sat, that's it. I'm in my comfort zone. No loss yellow mate. My TV is on, I've got the remote control, I've got my cold drink, I've got lost mate. And we also say to God, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. I'll do whatever you want me to do, as long as it's in my comfort zone. I was, we were talking also Wednesday night and said, it's an amazing thing how many people are saying we want to go on outreaches here. The problem is everybody wants to go to the Netherlands. It's comfortable. What about Africa, guys? What about all Swaziland, all the country? No, 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 guys. This needs to be like a Darnie. Netherlands. We'll pay the extra. We go to Netherlands. It's comfortable there. It's a comfortable place. And I want to launch uh, from Exodus. And it's going to take a bit of time if I read the whole book. So I'm going to ask you guys to go and sit before God and say, Lord, show me comfort zones in the book of Exodus. And I just want to quote a couple of um, from, from just mention a couple of points in the to, to launch off with and the Israelites when they left Egypt roughly the, the clever guys that does math says about 3 million people marched out of Israel out of Egypt when they left and as they left imagine walking with them You've seen the miracles. You've seen God move. You've seen the mighty hand of God. And then there's this conversation. So what did your boss give you? Yes, I got left out there with, the Bible says they they left with all the gold. They left with lots of stuff with them. And all excitement. That half-left job that we it's not ours to do anymore. We're not the slaves anymore. They're going to do their own slaves, their own stuff. So they're all re- excited and rejoicing they leave out of Egypt. And three days later, they get to the Red Sea. In the meantime, Pharaoh sat down and he was looking at his CV and he said, yes, like, you know what, all the people in front, they that uh, that uh, well, before me, they built pyramids and they built everything. My CV is going to say he let the slaves go. I'll just go fetch these oaks. So he ran, got his whole army, got on the two-way radio, got them all together, and off they went to go and get these people. And then at the Red Sea, the, the Israelites are looking at this and say, you know what, we haven't slept in our beds for three days. It's not comfortable anymore. And then they look around and they see this whole army coming. They say, oh, we didn't plan on dying like this. This is not how we planned on doing this. This is not how I want to spend my last days. And they're going to kill me and my kids. What's going to happen here? And then they start rebelling. And then they see more miracles. And then God opens the Red Sea and they go to the other side and they're all excited and they're dancing and they're singing and it's wonderful. And about two or three days later they realize, hey, Yvonne's nose is Nivatarni. So then they start complaining again. And in Genesis chapter 16, verse 3. Ah Exodus, sorry. Chapter 16, verse 3. It says, Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Is it not? verse 3? Okay, sorry. I think I should have given you four, verse 4 as well. And it says, Is that 16 verse 3? Yeah. Is it? And it? That's the verse I'm after. It says, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. Now, I just want to just bark there for just one second. You see, there they were saying, actually, we're longing back to the day of our slavery, when we were slaves. And then the next piece there, they actually, and I think we missed something important there, it says, for you, and they turning to Moses now, and they say, for you. Now, we need to realize something. Moses was the man that God had put there to represent God because God wasn't leading them directly. God was leading them directly through Moses. Am I getting the point here? So when they say to Moses, you, they're pointing a, a finger through Moses directly at God. It says, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly of, of hunger. Why were they upset that last word, hunger? You're touching my comfort zone. You've set me free. You've taken me out of slavery. But you're touching my comfort zone. So my first point is that my comfort zone keeps me in slavery. Because when my comfort zone is formed, My comfort zone started forming when I was in my parents' home. It comes from where the situation that I found find myself in. They found themselves in slavery. They formed the comfort zone in slavery. In sin, we form our comfort zone. When we get saved, we often long back to the past. And our comfort zone doesn't allow us to go into this thing where God wants to lead me because I'm not necessarily comfortable to where God wants me to go. And the nature of the old man clashes with the new. And I have to let go of that. The second point I want to get to is that my comfort zone prevents me from stepping into what God wants me, or what God has for me. In Numbers 13, verse 33... Moses had just sent out his 12 spies to spy out the land. And he says, and then the, the guys come back with this glowing report. And I think uh, Milani also used this verse or referred to it, if I remember correctly. And he says, the, the, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. They just said the land is good says, but um, gone through as land and the inhabitants and all the people who saw in them are men of great stature. They saw the great stature of, of the men. I read up a little bit about these giants. And they reckon that some of these giants were, if it me, would have been this high against some of those giants. So if I go and have to fight against a guy, a whole army of these oaks with a sling, these oaks don't fight back, they just. Of course I'm going to feel upset. That I didn't tend to be squashed like a fly. At least, at least I wanted to die. I've even said to my wife, the two of us need to die together in our sleep. Just, I don't want to do it any other way. If she goes before me and I get to heaven, there's going to be problems in heaven. (laughs) Because I'm not going to be comfortable living without her for the rest of my life. And these arks are also looking and saying, I'm not comfortable living or dying being squashed. You see, they then took a decision based on what they felt about their comfort zones and said, You know, we're not going to go into this promised land. And God's got a promised land for every one of us that we need to walk into, and there's giants. God's got a plan and a purpose for every one of us. Now that we, we read that the Bible says God's got good works for us, and he's got good plans for us, can I ask you the question, what is, God, what is your definition of good? Good. Because certainly God's definition of good isn't my definition of good. And when God gives me his good gifts, then I say, "Uh it doesn't fit in my comfort zone. I need to align my comfort zone and allow my comfort zone to be aligned. I need to deny my comfort zone. Matthew 4 we read about how Jesus went to be baptized, and Andrew very powerfully helped me understand that Satan sometimes take my hand and lead me, which was to my shock and horror the truth. And I looked at it, and I actually went, stood and I thought about it. So Jesus. In the custom of the day, my understanding is, and I did a little bit of reading, and it seems to be the thought of school, school of thought, is that Jesus actually stayed in his parents' home until he was baptized. I could be wrong, but I could be right. But it was more or less that seems to be the truth. So he was in a place where there was a bed, there was a place for him to sleep, and it was reasonably comfortable. And then the Holy Spirit comes and says, he was baptized, and the Holy Spirit says, now come with me. And Jesus probably said, you can't do that because my mom's waiting for me for supper. I have to be at home for supper tonight. Didn't say that. He went. Followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, kids, don't use this as an excuse when you get home late, and say so the Holy Spirit was leading me, and then don't do that. Jesus did that. That that's already used. You can't do that. But the point that I want to do is, we cannot allow when the Holy Spirit leads us to say, it's it's not where I would be comfortable in. And then when I read a little bit further, it's one one guy comes to Jesus, and he says to him in Matthew uh, chapter. Eight, verse 19 and 20 and it says a certain scribe came and said to him teacher I will follow you wherever you go I've said that and I think most of us have said that and Jesus answered and says foxes as holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay down his head uncomfortable place I'm sort of breaking my thought there with the next point. It says, Melania says, little by little, God's going to lead us. And in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8, it says that, Though the Son, though he was a son, yet he, Jesus, learned obedience by the things which he suffered. I battle with that verse. Because this is this perfect Jesus. He's perfect, and yet the Bible says he had to learn obedience. You had to learn little by little to follow. And, you know, if I had to know that God's going to ask me to preach when I was 17, I used to make excuses in class. Do all kinds of things so that I don't have to do oral. But if I, ten- if I knew then that I'm going to stand in front of a people of... How many people are here? <laughs> okay, now I'm sweating. <laughs> if I had to know then, I would not have achieved and be here today. Because little by little, God prepared me for this day. Little by little, God prepares you to achieve that which God wants you to do. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. This test that you are facing today is preparing you for tomorrow. And guess what? Tomorrow, Uncle Stan's going to tell you he's turning 90. I'm allowed to say that, Uncle Stan. He's turning 90 in next week. He's turning 90. And Uncle Stan will tell you that God's not finishing, finished testing him yet. But the test he's facing now, when he looks back, he wouldn't be able to do the test of today if he hadn't done the test of two weeks ago and two years ago. Little by little, God's got you. He's not going to throw you in the deep end and leave you to drown. But you have to change your mindset. You have to change your comfort zone and step out of the comfort zone not to there, just that little bit, and just that little bit and trust God, he's got you he's got you where are we doing for time, I must finish off, I can't do too much didn't you say we can preach for two hours? Yeah. yeah. Two, and two and a half, okay Now, well then I've got time So, quick story, quick, quick story. 29, I was again in my life unemployed. Looking back over my life, I remember more unemployment than employment in my career. Not that I'm a bad worker, just for... And then we were at a stage, it was 23 months in that specific one that I wasn't employed, and we went, it was our wedding anniversary, and it's next month, next, next week, Esna's married, again, but it'll be, what, 38 years, and, yes, yeah. <laughs> and we decided, okay, we really just, it feels like sometimes you're in war, and it feels like you can't breathe anymore. And we decided we're taking a break, and so we went to Lombard's And on the way there, the phone rings, and a guy says to me, oh, congratulations, that last interview you went for, the guys decided to give a job. And in me, immediately, I was highly upset. Lord, 23 months unemployed. Why? And Benekan, cloppy clippers, like it's a quarry just grinding inside there. Yeah. And I'm upset. And then over and above that, he says to me, but the salary that he gives me is actually the salary that I ha- had 10 years prior. 50% of that. Now I have to take a decision. There's nothing else. We're already eating. We've ate all our money, everything, because it's not the first time we're there. And we're now eating away at our bundles. This is rice meal. It was, it was and this thing is about to collapse on me. So I didn't have any choice. I had to take the job. You see, we think that when God gives us an offer for a job, he takes us through a tough time and he gets a do an offer. It's like Job. He's going to test you and you're going to get double back. It didn't work like that. It was tough. It was hard. And I'm sitting there grinding away. And then Esna says to me, we're sitting and having a meal a romantic meal with a romantic cashier where brand in a restaurant. And I know nothing about romantic. It says to me, just next to our table, right there. And it says this, and I think I've told the story before. It says, a good sailor is not born on a calm sea. So I thought, yes, I'm a sailor now. I'm a good sailor now. I passed this test. I learned one thing. God just taught me step A of being a good sailor. The test is not over yet. You know how many times I've sat with people and the guy says, you guys got it easy. I said, can I just share a little bit of my life? Share a little bit of your life. He says, okay, now, now, hang on. You can talk. And then when he says that, I look back and say, Lord, thank you for the tough times. Thank you for the tough times. It took me right out of my comfort zone. But thank you for the tough times. So I want to say this. And what happens when God works out of, outside of your tough times? In um, 2 Samuel 6, verse 14, verse 21 and 22, David was dancing in front, before the Lord with all his might, and he was wearing a linen ephod. Now, there's lots of talk. Some say it's in his underpants or whatever it is. But he was dancing. That's the fact, that he was dancing. And then his wife saw that, and she wasn't very happy with that. And then in verse 21, she says to David, David answers uh, back and says, It was before the Lord. I want to say, when you do whatever you do and you step outside of your comfort zone, make sure it is before the Lord that you're doing that. People will show point fingers. People will. And they can point fingers as much as they want to. But David said, It is before the Lord. Therefore, I will play music. Before the Lord. In verse 22, is the next verse it says, and I will be even more undignified than this. I want to challenge you to not be afraid to step out of that comfort zone. What's comfortable for you? Do not be afraid to step outside of it. Let go of your comfort zones. and On that oh, Uh, During the week, I was just sitting with people, um, and I realized that my comfort zone is actually something that I do that I like. If I don't like it, I don't do it, and my comfort zone cramps me. You know that when I enter into a relationship with God, I become a new creature, and you became a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things, including my comfort zone, has become new. God wants your comfort zone to become new. Actually, if I look at David, it seems like he didn't even have a comfort zone. So maybe just drop your comfort zone. And when you're in God's presence, we're going to go into worship. We get to a point where we say, I will be more undignified than this. My past. In, in South Africa, we've got this thing where we had the truth and reconciliation. We said we need to know our past so that we can go forward. I don't need to know my past in the Lord. I need to know my future in Christ. The world has got it the other way around than what God's got it. I will be more undignified than this. To build a relationship with God, I need a new comfort zone. And to have that comfort zone, I need to have faith in the King of Kings. I need to have faith in the one who saved me, that loves me, gave his all for me. Out of the 2.5 or 3 million people that left Egypt, any idea how many, le- how many came in? Now, I know you're all Bible scholars, and everybody's going to say two. You're all wrong. You're all wrong. It was the two men with their families. So it's a claim we came here. But it was Two. million is seven digits. One digit. One digit came in. And all of them died in the desert because they didn't want to go in because of their comfort zone. Let's make sure we enter by readjusting our comfort zones. Amen. Amen.
0: before many and you even had an applause. That's so so different. (laughs) So well done. Thank you, Andre. I think, yeah,